Good morning. Everybody feeling the love? But love is great, eh? I mean, what a feeling. I mean, that love you have for that totally hot babe you end up marrying. Looking at you there, Heather. The love you have for the siblings and parents you grew up with. The love you have for your mates who took the time to understand you. The love you have for the God who created you. A couple of weeks ago, Mike asked about love songs. So have a little think about what your favorite love song is. Really think about it. And in your favorite love song, is the protagonist actually happy in love? Here is a a, a classic uh, from the Everly Brothers. Love hurts, love scars. Love wounds and mars any heart, not tough, nor strong enough to take a lot of pain. Love is like a cloud, holds a lot of rain. Love hurts. Oh, love hurts. I've really learned a lot, really learned a lot. Love is like a stove, burns you when it's hot. Love hurts. Love hurts. You might not like the Everly Brothers. You might have no idea who they are. So how about Ed Sheeran? Loving can hurt. Loving can hurt sometimes. Or perhaps my favorite, Neil Diamond. When I needed sunshine, I got rain. You you may know the Shrek version. Uh, Or Paloma Faith. Only love can hurt like this. Or if you're an old rocker, how about some Def Leppard? Love is like a bomb. So have our modern day poets got it wrong? Have they not understood love? Is it not possible to find love in a secular song? Do we need to perhaps look at some Christian music to find songs about true love? I don't think so. I believe that secular music, secular poetry, if you will, is the cry of the world. It represents the thoughts, feelings and experiences of us all. But without the bubble of Christianity, we sometimes operate under. It's raw, undiluted, unapologetic. It screams, this is how I feel. It's a true representation of what we feel. There is a honesty within it. In many ways, to me, it is like David or Solomon's poetry. It cries out to be understood, highlighting just how we feel. It also represents how the unchurched feel. You know, the people that we are meant to be ministering to. And how can we minister to them if we can't understand them? Love, love hurts. It really, really hurts. So if love hurts, if this is the experience of humanity, why does love hurt? Well, I think it's basically because we are a fearful, selfish and proud people. We have huge egos. To love someone else, that requires us to make a sacrifice. 
And right now, some of your minds are going, bing, Jesus' sacrifice, death on a cross. That's what Tim's talking about today. Tim wants us to make the ultimate sacrifice. After all, Jesus did say to take up his cross and follow him. And of course, there are some big things we can do to carry our cross and follow him. There are some really big actions, decisions we can make about our lives. But that's not what I want to talk about today. Today, I don't want to talk about the big stuff. I'm not going to ask you to go on a missions trip. I'm not going to ask you to sell your possessions and build a new church with central heating and comfy chairs. Though if you want to, I won't stop you. I'm not going to ask you to quit your job and become a full-time pastor. I'm not going to ask you to do anything big. Instead, I'm going to ask you to do something much smaller and much, much, much harder. I want you to practice love, sacrificial love. Love where you put yourself second, third, last. I want you to practice it so that you are good at it, so that it becomes normal, so that it becomes no longer painful, so that it no longer hurts. Because right now, if you're honest with yourself, love hurts. You know, I can do the big stuff. I can devote the vast majority of my pay packet to supporting my family rather than to spending it on Lego and beer. I can stay committed to my wife. I can support my kids. But sometimes when I come home from a hard day at work and I walk into a noisy, busy home and the dogs are barking and the kids are squabbling and my wife, no, 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 my wife is perfect. But when all this else is going on, sometimes there is very little love in my heart. What about my needs? What about my wants? Now that's hard love. That's going to take a sacrifice on my part to give up my wants and needs will hurt. And a lot of the time, that's a sacrifice that I'm not prepared to make. Big stuff. Big stuff is easy, but a small daily, every day, day after day, for the rest of my life, that's hard. Think about your own life. Think about the times you struggle to love, struggle to make the sacrifice, struggle to put your own needs, own wants, own ideas, own politics on the back burner. Think of a typical day. How many times does this happen? I'd say a lot. Love hurts. So that's where we are at. How do we get to where we want to be? How do we get to sacrificial love where we put others first? Well, firstly, if you were here last week, remember back to last week. We need to let Jesus, God, the Spirit, deal with our fear. It is much easier to put yourself second, third, or last when you are not afraid of the outcome. It is much easier to put yourself second, third, or last when you are comfortable in who God has made you to be, when you know the purpose that God has for you. 
You may have heard the saying, God is love. God loves because he does not fear the outcome. He knows who he is. So our capacity to love, to follow those instructions, is limited by the amount of fear in our lives. The more we are afraid, the less we can love. Also last week, we looked at the parable of the lost son. And in that story, who do you think is most like this? Who is least afraid of the outcome? Who knows who they are? Hopefully you're thinking of the father, but definitely not the two sons. But also in the story, there's the workers, and they know their purpose. They know they are looked after. They know the love of the master. They join in with the celebration. And maybe in the last week, you've been thinking about who you identify with in that story. What's the opposite of love? Mike suggested a few weeks ago that the opposite of love is selfishness. And some might say the opposite of love is hate. But either way, I think that it's rooted in fear, which is, tends to be rooted in some sort of loss. Whereas love is about boldness, it's about identity, it's about faith. A lot of behavior that we might call hate is actually fear. That's why it's called arachnophobia, not arachnohate. Like you might be scared of a spider and you might hate how you react. And there's probably a couple of other phobias we can think of which are similar. But if we can remove the fear... Well, then, then we can do all the things God wants us to do. Love him. Love our brothers. Love our enemies. So let's look at some of those things in Luke 6. Thanks, Mike. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's going to be a sacrifice. I can think of people I would consider my enemies. Do good to them. Allow them to slap me. I'd rather just try and love those that I like. I mean, that's hard enough. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners Love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father 
is merciful. Mercy, forgiveness, we want retribution. Oh, hold on a minute. We talked about forgiveness three weeks ago, sorry. But I'm reminded of the movie based on real life called The Cross and the Switchblade. Has anyone seen that movie, Cross and the Switchblade? Some wonderful. We're in it. The pastor says, cut me up into a million pieces and each one will cry out that Jesus loves you. He's literally engaging with the enemy, people that want to kill him. But that's big. I want you to think about the small. So how about this story that may or may not be based on a true story? Your neighbour wants to tell you about their rhododendron collection at the same time as the All Blacks are playing. Your neighbour is now your enemy. How do you love in that moment? Or here's a story I heard just the other night. You're uh, meeting your in-laws for the first time. You hate tomatoes and they serve you tomato soup. How do you react in that situation? Romans 12 says, uh, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I mean, surely, if we just do what the Bible says, then that will be the right thing. Easy, right? Just follow the instructions. Just love people. But it's easier said than done. If only, if only there was someone who could demonstrate this. Someone, anyone. Aha, you think, now he's going to talk about Jesus' death on the cross. Okay, so let's talk about Jesus for a minute. And yes, he did die on the cross for you and for me and a ton of other people. Yes, he did defeat sin and death. But today is not about the big stuff. It's about the little stuff. What would you find easier? Dying once or day after day serving others, day after day putting others first? Love doesn't have to be big. It's about the daily. So Jesus, how does he demonstrate the little stuff? Well, he brings himself down to human level. He pulls in the nets. He serves his friends. He cares to help. He washes the feet. There's a song, Servant King. Anybody who was around in the 80s, 90s? 
Yeah, from heaven you came, helpless babe. This is our God, the servant king. He calls us now to follow him, to live our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king. So he washes the feet. And then at the last supper, he says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. And this, of course, points forward to the cross but it also points back to the last three years, three years of sacrificing for his friends and for strangers. So when he then says, do this in memory of me, we have to ask ourselves, is he just saying, do communion? Or is he saying, do sacrifice, do love? I'd like to point to um, some other people that I know, that don't happen to be the Son of God, but they have shown how to love in the little, how to sacrifice daily for someone else's sake, for my sake. And you may remember that last week I mentioned that when I was 15 years old, I ran away from home. To put it mildly, I was upset. I didn't feel loved, but I was. And once uh, I was found by the authorities, I stayed with a family friend for a while. And I remember that my parents wanted to uh, see me, and I refused them. The fact that they respected that, the fact that they stayed away, to me, looking back, now with my own children, that was a sacrifice. That was love. And I don't think I could do that. I think I'd put what I want first. I also want to point to another parent, not my parent, but so on I came to see as another mum. Another time, another time I'd messed up. It's a bit of a theme in my, in my uh, younger days. But when another time I'd messed up, she welcomed me into her home. She gave me a place to stay. She loved me as her own. A small thing, she might have thought, letting her son's friend stay for a while. But trust me, small or not, that showed love. And if I spoke about all the times all the little things that my wife does, all the little sacrifices and all the big ones too, I'd be speaking all day. But this is the point. These small, daily, continual sacrifices, they are the most important. And they are the most effective. And they are the hardest. They are the ones that hurt the most. They are the ones we need to practice more. So uh, here are my top tips to help you love sacrificially. Um, Hopefully one or two of them resonate with you. They are Tim's top ten tips. Number one, stop talking, start listening. Take an interest, ask questions, shut up, and listen. 
Number two. If your love is dependent on what you do or don't get back, then it is not love. Ask yourself, do I love you or do I need you? Do I love you or do I rely on you? Do I love you or do I just like what you do for me? Number three, this does not just relate to marriage. This relates to friendships, parent and child, child and parent. This goes beyond family and those we choose to spend time with. This goes into the workplace. This goes into the schools. This goes into politics, race, sexuality, and yes, even Twitter. Number four, and this is one that I hope we all remember. A sacrifice for love no matter the size, feels smaller once done. A sacrifice for love, no matter the size, feels smaller once done. Number five, you can't make someone else sacrifice, especially someone you have power over. For instance, I have authority over my children. I can't choose to put them through suffering for others, but I should demonstrate it. Number six, don't confuse love. Don't confuse love with convenience. Don't confuse love with dependence. Don't confuse love with liturgy or dogma or doctrine or tradition. Don't confuse love with judgment. Number seven, love is not about you. Number eight, love is absolutely about you. Number nine, there are different types of love, but they all require some sort of sacrifice. And number 10 comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. God's mercy is his sacrifice of Jesus, Jesus paying the price. To offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. That is, love others. That is, to do the same as Jesus. Love others. Yes, there is big stuff. But let's get on with the small stuff. Holy and pleasing to God. Holy, know who you are in God. Live the fear of the Lord like Abraham. Know your purpose. Live without worry. This is your physical act of worship. Love is a physical act. It's something you do. It's more than a feeling. You want to worship God this is how you do it. And uh, we'll put those top 10 tips on the Facebook page. Last week, we spoke about fear. This week, we've spoken about love. And next week, we're going to talk about the kingdom. Which kingdom? The kingdom of fear or the kingdom of love? Next week, we will explore God's kingdom. I wonder which one it's going to be. Thank you, Sally.